This is Security All In. This is Sam Curry. I'm Chief Security Officer for Cyber Reason. And on Security All In, we try to understand a little bit about risk. And of course, we have a poker metaphor. The idea is that there's some degree of gambling in managing risk, uh, not in a pure gaming sense, but in a sense of uh, trying to get the quantification right or sometimes the gut instinct right, making those two meet up. And our goal is to understand as well how certain people in the security field, in particular chief security officers, how they went all in on security as a career, how they got there, and at what point they either did so or security went all in on them. I'm very pleased to be joined by Kevin Fielder, who is the chief information security officer for Just Eat. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, great to meet you. For those who may not be familiar with Just Eat, we have a, a global audience. I know you have a huge brand, but maybe you could describe just a little bit about what it is that Just Eat does. So yeah, so Just Eat is basically allows you to order food. So we provide an aggregation service for uh, consumers to order pretty much any food they want to be either picked up or delivered to themselves. And obviously for the restaurants, we enable them to reach a much wider base of customers and do a kind of bunch of back-end services for them and help them with delivery, etc. Are you headquartered in the UK? I was given to understand that that was um, home base. Is that just your home base or is it the company's home base? It's company's home base. So our headquarters is in London, but we've got offices in Bristol and other parts of the UK, plus in the 13 countries we work in. So we're we're a pretty diverse company, um, spread out globally. But yeah, our headquarters is London. And how long have you been with Just Eat? Has it been uh, a long time? Did you start as the CISO or, or is this a recent development? Uh, it's fairly recent, so I joined Just Eats about a year and a quarter ago, 15 months or so, so it's relatively new. I'm their first CISO, and it's my first CISO role, so excitement all around. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, being first-time CISO is a huge challenge. Uh, and by the way, congratulations, 15 months is greater than the average of new CISOs in new positions. Usually people who jump into it, I think they last about 13 or 14 months is, is the okay. most I've seen. So well done there. That That's a good <laughs> Maybe uh, uh, before we talk about Just Eat, though, uh, maybe I could um, ask you a bit about your background. I know you're from the UK, but uh, what did you study? When did you become interested in computers or even about insecurity? What was your background insofar when you rewind, you'd want to start telling that story? Yeah, so I've kind of been a semi-geek for a long time. My degree was computing with human biology. And I did a bit of philosophy as well at university. I'm one of those people who's kind of struggled to kind of stick with just one topic. Fairly kind of traditional IT career, did everything from kind of help desk through internal support and projects to some architecture roles, some security analyst roles, security architecture roles, security consulting internally, um, and then through to the kind of CISO role. So kind of a a fairly long, reasonably long career and, and fairly varied. I think having kind of an operational background really helps with kind of the as you get more senior, because it gives you that ability to understand the impact of the things you're trying to do and the impact you can on the guys trying to run the systems. Been into security kind of pretty much all of my career in terms of always trying to do security-related things. So, you know, when I was doing internal stuff, I was trying to build firewalls and that kind of stuff. So generally had a abiding interest in security throughout my career and, and gradually built on that to get where I am today. Super cool. Now, the biology, so first of all, it sounds like you're a renaissance man and calling it a geek is a badge of pride, perhaps. I have it too, but it is minimizing a little bit. Uh, The biology and computer science combination I find fascinating. Uh, One of my early mentors was uh, Lieutenant Commander Robert Garrigue, who was in the Royal Canadian Navy as a submariner, and he went on to be the CIO of the Bank of Montreal and, and of Manitoba. So he was looking at things like insect models for understanding both computer users and hackers and how to spot the difference. 
did you combine the two as early as your, I know you did philosophy as well, but did you combine them in your degree or was it just literally an interest in both and have they made sense afterwards together? What was it that made you do both at the same time and was there a link? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting both. It wasn't a specific link at the time. I'm quite into kind of sports and health and things. So I kind of tossed up with doing kind of IT or and security versus a sports science degree. So this was a way of kind of combining those interests. Obviously, as we've seen kind of security evolve, there's a lot of kind of links between kind of the immune system and talking about security immune systems and things and using the body as an analogy for kind of adaptive security. So there is definitely some links there and that I've realized since. But, but at the time, it was just a couple of interests that, that I wanted to combine and not give up on being interested in kind of health and physiology as, as well as computers. You know, it's interesting. We used to use the word virus and we used a metaphor in the industry as long ago as 30 years ago of biology to understand this autonomous behavior of self-replicating code, but it applies even to hackers as well. I love the notion of an autonomous system. I suppose we could even wind up with autoimmune diseases if it's not done correctly. Have you found the two converging in your career post-studies? Have you used this in some way to become a better security person or have they stayed separate uh, but still passionate about both in your head? I think, I think in reality it is fairly separate, but yeah, certainly the, the analogy and the way of thinking is definitely worthwhile. So, you know, the body is, is very adaptive, right? So you can put a human body into all sorts of situations and it adapts to those situations. And for the most part, it fights off illness and injury pretty well by itself or with you know, some help from, out, from outside. So I think, you know, applying those same thoughts to both not just security, but resilience in general is a great way to think about it. How does your system and your, your technology and the solutions and your business as a whole adapts to changes how does it cope with the environment the changing landscape changing threats whatever else changing ways of using data and how does it grow and adapt and understand that yeah i've likened security as a almost ideal playground for natural adaptation and for natural selection but we also have an intelligent opponent at the moment i'm seeing far too much hype around things like artificial intelligence machine learning is definitely in play both on attack and defense but what do you think it takes in terms of security departments and security management, what do you think it takes to really be changing this game? And, and you know, do you think we're winning the race here against, uh, let's call it the opponent? Do you think that that's something that, that we're making headway against or could we be doing it differently with a biological model? Well, wow, there's a lot of good points there. So I'm glad you, you called out AI. I think that's one of the current buzzwords that's dramatically overused and isn't used or necessarily required for most security yet. In terms of how we can do better, I think we, you know, we're we not doing as bad as what people think. When you look, look at the landscape, right, it's certainly for external attacks, the struggle with detection and attribution. And even if you can detect and attribute, getting any kind of conviction if they're in a country that doesn't play nicely with your country mm. is so hard. It's almost a free-for-all. You, know, you can be behind a computer in somewhere in China or Russia or wherever and kind of do anything you want. And the chance of us catching you are pretty remote. The fact that there's so many people out there that can do so much bad stuff with very little chance of kind of retribution means that the fact that we stop most of it is pretty good. So I think we should, you know, as an industry, not hit ourselves quite as hard as we often do on that front. But yeah, of course, we can do way, way better. You know, it's, and I think a lot of it, if you look historically, there's, there's been a lack of impact on companies that do things in, inadequately. So whether it's, you know, if you release the car, that regularly killed people, that wouldn't be okay. If you release software that regularly gets hacked, you know, it's not, there isn't a life and death situation there. 
but it's it's kind of deemed okay. The whole we'll just patch that cycle, we'll just patch the hardware, we'll patch the OS, we'll patch the software because it doesn't do what it should do. I don't see many other industries where that's okay. You don't buy a pair of shoes and then just go, oh, they've broken, I'll get a patch for them. You expect them to work for a reasonable period of time. Um, yeah, doing 55 miles an hour on the highway, it's not acceptable to fix a problem by rebooting. Right? Yeah. That's, that's where I think that's where we're starting to see that kind of world collide, right? Where we're getting, you know, for one of use another bus phrase, but IoT, you know, self-driving cars, all of those things, we're starting to see that collision of where security and life and death really matter. You know, if you've got a pacemaker, you don't want someone hacking it. You've got a car, you don't want someone hacking it. You've got a computer where if it gets breached, you know, even if you have some money stolen, you usually get it back. That's not quite as bad. But we are now hitting that life and death scenario. So I think the industry has to grow up severe a lot to make sure that we have in the world where physical security safety and people's lives are at stake, we do protect them. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's almost like security in the 21st century will be a, what we thought quality was in the 20th, that it's it's less about the market that follows and more about qualities that all of the systems have, right? Uh, I said to someone recently, IoT devices that ship with default accounts and aren't able to be patched are effectively internet pollution. It's like it's like the car industry with um, leaded gasoline and lack of catalytic converters 40, 50 years ago. I mean, we are about to flood the world with noisy, polluting devices, and that has to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it's, I think there will be a, a gradual change, or you know, a, if there's, if, depending on the industry, a, a rapid change if, if regulation comes in to make a lot of this stuff not okay anymore. Mm. Um, I think it's, 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 very, it's a hugely interesting time. And I think one of the challenges you know, the term IoT is so crazy broad. You know, the security you need for, you know, your DVR isn't the same as the security you need for a pacemaker or for a car, but they're all plumped into IoT. You know, if someone hacks my DVR and sees what I record off Netflix or whatever, who cares? It's, it's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. Someone hacks your pacemaker, that's bad. So I think IoT as a term doesn't help because it's hard to grasp needing security for a lot of the IoT stuff at the same level as for the kind of more specialist things where they do impact life. Yeah, I can almost see 10, 15 years from now, people will look back and go, IoT, what is that? I mean, yeah. what you thought was normal, that you needed a word to tell about the exceptional has been reversed, right? That the laptops and desktops are less than 5% of the internet devicing device footprints, or maybe even smaller. Why did you need a name for the 95%? Right? I can see it someone new coming into security and asking that question one day. Yeah, absolutely. So the title of this uh, podcast is Security All In, and, and I'd love to ask, have you gone all in on security career-wise? I'm assuming the answer is yes. And if yes, when and how did that happen? Or if not, how do you define your career? I think I have. Um, I think it's, it's a super exciting field, right? Everyone needs it. So you know, the amount of security required in an organization varies depending on what they do and what their threat landscape is, etc. But it's, yeah, it's an increasingly important field. I think I got into it at a good time that I've managed as, as it was coming in, into its ascendance and it will, it will increase in importance. And it's constantly changing. So it's one of those fields where you can't stand still. I'm not someone who wants to go, okay, I've, I've learned enough now, I can turn the wheel. I want to keep learning. I want to understand what's happening. You know, the fact that there's always new people trying to do new bad things. There's always new devices and new capabilities and new ways of being connected that we then need to work out how to keep secure. I think it's a super, super exciting field. And it's, it's an interesting one also because it's often not part of what the business does. So we have to 
good at both understanding technology, even as you get more senior. You, I think I think people even at the sort of CISO level, if you're not maintaining a good understanding of the technology and the landscape, you, you will struggle to do a great job. But I also have to be good at talking to the board and the exec and across different areas of the business about why it's important, why we need to be engaged in their projects, why they need to talk to us super early in projects, why we need to help them secure the supply chain, all of these things. So you have to be good at understanding the business. I think someone, I can't remember who it was, someone recently said to me that what you need to be is a business person who looks at it with a security lens. So you have to be good at understanding the business and talking to the business and what are the business goals as well as being reasonably good at maintaining technical understanding and, and keeping the respect of both your team and, and the you know, developers and technologists in your business. So it's yeah, always learning, always interesting, always new things and a real good challenge to be listened to and understood across the business. Yeah, I have a theory that the biggest problem in security isn't the adversary, isn't the opponent, that it's in fact lack of alignment with the business in most companies. And in your case, Just Eat went from having no CISO to having a CISO. And in some of those situations, it's driven by a regulation that says, get a checkbox, make sure you have a, a chief information security officer, or it's um, somebody at the board, or there's been a breach or something like that. What was the cause for Just Eat to wake up one day and say, we need a CISO? And how have you grown it in its first stages the last uh, year and a bit? How have you made a security program out of nothing? And, and how have you bridged that, that business divide? If you agree that that's actually the biggest problem in the industry. And yeah, yeah, I think it can be. I think that's where we suffer from a lot. There's an awful lot of, this is really important, we need to fix this, rather than this is important to the business and we need to fix this to enable us to be great at what we do. And I think that's the key thing. It's how we, we enable the business. So my, you know, my tagline for my next year of security as a kind of, through my strategy is kind of growing up, remaining agile. So how can we, we improve our security and have a really good security posture, but enable the business to be agile and fast moving, which is a key part of how we want to work. In terms of, of me coming in, so yesterday there wasn't a regulatory requirement for us to have a CISO, but we had grown fairly large and there was a general kind of realisation that was kind of time to grow up slightly. So there's a few roles created at the sort of director level to come in and help just the, be appropriately secure and appropriately reliable and everything else that you would expect from a company of our size. Um, so it's kind of part of that. So I've come in and yeah, there was there was a security team here when I joined, but they're kind of very much of the kind of reactive and dealing with incidents kind of phase. So they were here and dealing with stuff and doing some things, but they didn't have that kind of plan and strategy and what they're going to do next, how they're going to kind of become more uh, proactive rather than reactive and all of those kind of things you expect from a strategy. So I just did, did the things you'd expect from someone who comes into a company understood as much as I could about the business, what the goals were, understood you know the tech we had in place and, and the key pain points and risks. And then we've built the program covering everything from kind of security monitoring through vulnerability management, through culture and awareness, supply chain security, all of the things you'd expect. And kind of built the program out, created the priorities and started to deliver it. And luckily, whether it's a combination of me being fairly good at explaining why we need to do things or and or the board being ready for it, I've had good support for growing the team and the sort of budget for doing this. So, you know, I've doubled the size of the team and got, you know, a lot of good budget growth for implementing, you know, all, all of the capabilities you need to. Um, yeah, it's not all there, there yet. You know, no one will pretend you've in, you build an entire security program and strategy, but, you know, the plan is there and we're delivering against it. And I think part of it's being appropriate as well. So I'm not a, I want 50 people because it's a big empire. I've, right. I've built... I agree. What, what I've agreed with CFO and the other guys in the company is an appropriate size team 
for what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, we're not a massive team. We'll be between 15 and 18 people all in once I'm finished, I think. And that's kind of, you know, a team with support from MSS and some some other external help to deliver security for our company. So I think I think it's all about building that trust and getting the trust of the exec team and the board on what's right for your company and why you're doing what you're doing. And then hopefully you should get support to kind of deliver, deliver your program. Yep, that makes complete sense. It sounds like you went from superheroes to an actual program with a team, which has got to be better for the everyday life of the people who are originally to some degree and something more reproducible. But going forward, maybe you could address a little bit where, I mean, Just Eat does food, right? And moving things around. You mentioned supply chain. There are other kinds of risks aside from IT security risks within Just Eat. Where do you draw the line among things like physical security, digital security? Uh, and the other forms of risk, like finance and legal and operations, are you are you part of those? Um, and is the career path to become more of a risk manager over time, or is it something else? I think obviously the role of security is is risk management, right? So, but it's obviously focused on the security aspects of that. So we are here to appropriately manage risk for our organisation and enable the organisation to take risks it understands and to move in, you know make industry changes, move into new industries, make acquisitions, whatever else, with a, a managed risk. But it's, yes, yeah, certainly my, my remit and my interest is the security part of that. So information security, obviously, is in the title. So that covers does cover physical in terms of people coming in and, and stealing data or stealing laptops or whatever else to insider threat, to external hacking, to supply chain, all of those good things. I do work quite closely with our audit team on the kind of wider piece and where I fit into that. So I'm, I'm quite close to the overall risk piece of, of the organization, but very much focused on kind of information and security risk. My good friend and colleague, uh, Jim Routh at uh, Etna, once said, uh, if the only dialogue that's happening is between the, for the CISO is with the CIO, then that company is doomed to fail, or at least the security function is doomed to fail. And uh, sorry for paraphrasing that, but um, it's perfectly okay to report to the CIO but they have to have lateral relationships. Just a, a factual question, I'm sure some of our listeners would like to know, where does the CISO report at Just Eat? And who do you consider your partners outside of the CIO within the organization to get things done? You mentioned the CFO. Is there anyone else? So, so I'm the CIO, and I'm fairly comfortable with that. So there is a, there's an ongoing CISO discussion about you know, where the CISO should report to. Should it be the CFO, the CRO, the CIO? I think there are arguments for all of those. The CIO role obviously has a focus more on tech and things. However, I'm comfortable wherever I report to as long as I can do my job and I get appropriate support from the exec, et cetera, to do that in terms of budget, support, visibility, et cetera. So I think it's more about you being able to do your job and do it well than necessarily the reporting line. And I don't like to get hung up too much on what that is. So, you know, I never get pushed back on doing work around supply chain security. I never get pushed back on doing work with our operations team on how we review and manage our third-party call centers. I never get pushed back on working with legal and the board, the GDPR program and those kind of things. So there's this, this one I'm supported to do my role and have no pushback on that. That's totally fine with me. If I wasn't getting that support and I was pushed to focus only on tech stuff or I was struggling to get budget because of other tech priorities, then yes, I'd say I was reporting in the wrong line. There's you know, quite a strong argument for it being CFO function because CFOs often have audit. So audit is kind of third line in your traditional security model of kind of 
first line being operations, second line being strategy and stuff, and third line being audit. So CTOs tend to have first, second line. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, it's not something I would particularly push or argue for if I was doing if I'm able to do my job. Now, shifting gears a bit, you mentioned sports earlier. Do you have any particular sports that you like and enjoy or ones that you think perhaps have given you insights in a crucial operational or strategic moment to focus on? Forget audit, right? Any sporting analogies or metaphors or thought mindsets that have helped you in your job? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of CrossFit. I coach CrossFit as well, so I coach up two evenings a week. I really enjoy that for a few reasons it's completely the opposite to an office job you know i get to jump around in a gym and shout at people and have a great time and wi-fi this bump and all of that good stuff so it's a different just a different environment that allows you to kind of let off steam and have a great time but i think mentally it gives you a great kind of preparation and attitude towards work because you know to achieve anything in sport and fitness you've got to work hard you've got to get your head down and put that work in and that's the same attitude that gets you a long way in the office as well and it also helps you chill out so you know i do you know, especially when you do anything on your own, like running or cycling or those kind of things, you just get to clear your head. So it's a time to clear your head, a time to think things through and chill out. So you are prepared for those incidents. It sounds yeah. zen, it sounds cleansing, it sounds focusing, and it sounds like it helps you push barriers. Those are, if I'm reading too much into it, tell me, but those all sound like good yeah, things. Absolutely. It gets you ready, it prepares you, it just calms you down, it chills you out. I think anyone... You know, whether it's sport or something else, everyone should have a hobby or a passion that's not necessarily the same as their job just to get themselves out of that headspace. And as I'm sure you're aware, when you read any of the sort of studies or books on kind of great breakthroughs and people solving problems, it's really when you're sitting at your computer trying to like work something out that you solve it. It's when you're out on that run or having fun with your friends or chilling out or whatever it is, and suddenly you're, you're little, I never remember which side of it, your left brain or right brain pops up and goes, hey, here's an idea. You're like, wow, that solved that. So, yeah, it's really important, I think, to have that time to kind of get away from everything and do something you really enjoy as well. It's the loneliness of the long-distance runner. But you mentioned left and right brain and reading, and I can't resist. I, I have to know, do you, do you have any books, fiction or nonfiction, that you find inspirational or that have uh, motivated you from a security mindset at all? It could be something out there. But I usually try to talk to people a bit about what they find passionate when they pick up a, a, something with a cover on it or a Kindle. Yeah, so early in my career, a friend and colleague that I super respect gave me Secrets and Lies by Bruce Schneier. Bruce, and yeah. Was, yeah, it's one of the first security books I read that was really cool. So that was kind of a, one of the books that kind of helped me get into my field. Um, outside of that, I read a lot of kind of sci-fi sort of things. So Alistair Reynolds... Um, those sort of kind of big space opera things that are kind of semi-hard science, semi-kind of space opera I'm a big fan of. So, yeah, so I tend to read, yeah, read sci-fi. And then I usually have two or three books on the go, so a bit of sci-fi stuff and a bit of learning. Recently, just picked up a book called Soul Happy, or Soul for Happy, that a guy from Google came and gave a talk in our office recently as part of our whole kind of mental health, looking after yourself thing. So... It's about engineering your path to joy. And you just started it, but I'll let you know how I go on with it. I'd love to know that. And and I, I tell you what, I'm going to ask you one more question. And afterwards, I'm going to ask you another. And I'll tell you what that is so you can think about it. Yeah. A bit. Do you have, this will be the final question. Don't answer this one yet. I'm going to ask you, do you have a book that you would recommend 
that gives insight to someone for the future challenges of security. I'm going to give you time to think about that and ask you another question because I know I don't want to just dump that on you. I want you to be able to. <laughs> so, you know, given, yeah, it could be something post-apocalyptic or space opera E or whatever. Is there something that you say, read this so that you're ready for the challenges that I think are coming in the next decade, let's say. But before that, I'm going to ask you one question, which is for someone coming up in the industry, somebody who's you 15 years ago, and uh, they're saying, geez, uh, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what the, you know, is, is this for me? And they haven't gone all in yet. Channel your inner CrossFit guy and coach them. What would you say to them? What would you do to encourage them or push them or say, this is for you? If you yourself are in, how do you tell them this is right for them? I guess be curious. What, what's your passion? What keeps you interested? So, you know, I, I wouldn't try and convince someone this is right for them if, if they weren't sure. But if you're genuinely passionate and curious and want to learn more, then it's probably a field for you. If you like solving problems and working across wide groups of people. So one, you know, one of the things I'm sure you'll get many companies struggle to kind of do large projects across multiple departments. And that's something I struggle to understand because working in security, that's what you do all the time, right? So if you want to be able to have an impact across everyone from your operations guys to your call center to HR to legal to tech to all of those different departments and work across all of them while solving some of the most challenging problems in the world, then it's the field for you. Conversely, if you don't want to keep learning and don't want to kind of keep pushing those boundaries and getting better and understanding more, then it might not be. Yeah, there's a sincerity with being genuinely curious, right? I mean, when you sit down to break bread with a peer who's not in the same discipline as you, if you don't actually care, they know it instantly, right? It's a uh, yeah, it's be curious. I love that. Lean in. Make sure that you're you're actively involved and roll your sleeves up, right? Um, yeah. I, I had someone in my early career, she said to me, never let anything go by your desk, Sam, without having a piece of it. You don't have to be the owner. You don't have to be the loud one. You just have to make sure that you get a chance to take it. Never say, that's not my job. But I love your advice. Be curious and lean in. And so my, my final question before we wrap up is... Um, is the book. I don't know if I gave you enough time to think about it, but is there a book or even a, even several books that you think these are future proof you I've got a few. So not necessarily books, some yeah, some of them can be TED talks or videos. So yeah. obvious ones like the Stopian thing, we've all heard of it, but check out 1984 because if you look at the kind of how much monitoring and stuff is happening now, that level at the end. How do we allow all the cool tech stuff but protect people's privacy to some extent? And that will kind of give you a good stark view on what can go wrong if we don't protect people's privacy. So that would be a good one for the kind of what could go wrong. Yeah. Um, any kind of future tech stuff. So I recently got a book called Megatech Technology in 2050 from The Economist. And any of those kind of future ones, what's happening next, what's coming up around kind of AI and learning and those things are good to pick up. And then an author and a couple of books that I think are just great for everyone. So I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. Um, oh, yeah. And he does some great TED Talks yeah. too and, and so, sort of YouTube things. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to read the books at a TED Talk or YouTube. There's one called Start With Why, which I think really helps with that security thing of if you explain why you need to do something first, so why does it help the organization? Why should we do this? And then the what, because as security people and tech people, we're terrible at going straight into the what. This is really cool. It's an amazing solution. Mm -hmm. And the people trying to get to agree it don't care. But what they do care about is why to do it and how you're going to help the organization. Um, yeah, the start with the why is great. 
And it's about 20 minutes if you can invest that. If you're listening to this, if you're driving a car, don't do this. But when you get to a desk, type in YouTube, you know, uh, start with the why. It's fantastic. The other one I liked by him was why leaders eat last. And I was going to be number second one too. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to steal that from you. But uh, it, no, no, cool. Why did Absolutely. you? So, my last two, my second one from Simon Sinek was going to be eat leaders eat last. Again, just because that principle of what if you're trying to lead, lead from the front, set a great example. You know, if you're the CEO or the head leader of the team, put your guys first, look after them. It's super cool bit of knowledge for anyone who wants to kind of get more senior or one teams. And then my final one is a really cool book about the All Blacks called Legacy. Um, um, rugby, yep. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah, there's a sport in there, but it's basically about how they're still humble, how they just look after the jersey for the next person and leave it in a better place. And, you know, one of the really key things from it that I took is they still sweep up their change room after themselves. So they don't leave if someone else to clear up, they sweep up the sheds after themselves. No matter how senior you are and how great you think you are, don't forget where you come from and don't forget to look after other people. So yeah, that would be my bits of knowledge. Not so there. I think yeah, we all know we need to learn tech and be great at tech, but the soft skills around that I think are as or more important. I love that. And it's a fantastic message to end this podcast on. Kevin, I ask everyone who comes on the show, given the poker motif and about risk, if I were to do a, uh, a CISO poker game, maybe I'll do one in, in London, would you be happy to sit at the table and, and take part in that? Would that be something you'd want to be involved in? Yeah, absolutely. I won't pretend to be an expert player, but I'm certainly have some fun. Excellent. We need someone to take some money from, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I wish all the best to you and Just Eat and to your team going forward, and I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Excellent. Thank you. It's been great chatting to you.